0: Good morning. Are there kids who feel comfortable coming up and joining me? Uh, otherwise, I can invite everyone to participate with me. So, <laughs> I don't know if that was forced fun or if <laughs> that was enthusiasm. Thanks, Wyatt. <laughs> All right. Well, we can still have other people answer questions, too. Uh, I can call on anybody from here. So, but Wyatt, how do you react, or maybe it might be easier to say how your brother reacts, when, when you feel like things are not fair or they don't go your way? What are some things you, you say that's not fair? That's, that, I think lots of us would say that. Uh, other things? Do you ever do anything that's... Maybe less responsible than that. No, I, I didn't think you would. Um, how about the rest of you? Ways that we respond or we see other people respond when they think things are not fair? Get mad? Freak? Yeah, you blame other people. Yep, for sure. Pout. I'm good at that. Yeah, for sure. So, well today, we're looking at Psalm 118, and it's a long psalm. It's at almost 30 verses in it, and it's a psalm of praise to give praise to God for being so awesome. But one of the things it teaches us is how to get through things when they feel like they're not fair or it's unjust. And so we're gonna listen because why? do you remember, and you might not, so it's totally fine, but do you remember about how long God's people were slaves in Egypt? Yep. No? Nope. Anybody want to help him out? Like over 400 years. That's a really long time. Do you know anybody who's 400 years old? Yep. No. So there were whole generations of people that were born— and died in this unjust system. Like they they born it, when it was wrong and when they died it was still the same wrong. But God loved them and was with them all the way through it. And so this psalm reminds us of that and helps us know how we can work through things when it's not fair for us. Okay? Thanks for coming up. I appreciate it. <laughs> Psalm 118. I'm going to read the whole thing. It's long, but uh, I trust you can listen that long. Um, I invite you to turn in your Bibles and read along. The words are not on the screen today, and I should probably make sure the slides are getting close. Okay, We'll we'll wait for that. All right. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He, is my, he has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand has, is lifted high, and the Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but live, and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You've become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows and hands, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let's pray. O great God of highest heaven, we come before you today, and we do give you thanks and praise because you are great and mighty and you are here. You're among us. You know us and you are at work. You never stop. And so we pray that as we reflect on your word this morning, that you would invite us in. That you would help us to see you more clearly, to believe you, to experience you, to trust you. That you do your work in us. That you'd be glorified and we would be your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the first and last verse of Psalm 118 says this great declaration that we've heard throughout the Psalms. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And as I've been reflecting on it this the past couple of weeks preparing for this, it struck me a little differently. A lot of times we think, you know, we read these and we think, oh, that's a great way to praise the Lord when I'm happy, right? After I, when everything kind of falls into place, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, and that's kind of when we declare God's goodness, right? But I was challenged this week as I was thinking about all these crazy nasty things in the news as we continue to wrestle through a pandemic that seems to be surging around us again, and football games are getting canceled, and we're wrestling with masks still. And uh, as I experience it, and I watch other people struggle to get along and have conversations about reasonable things, and learn how to disagree without just calling each other names, and um, all kinds of stuff. And, And I thought, well, it's not fair. Like, all this stuff is lousy and miserable. Like it's not supposed to be this way. And I was challenged to hear this not as a declaration of something that we say just when we're happy and we feel like things are good, but as a declaration of God's people. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. What a great thing to anchor our lives on. A truth that guides us and guards us. Now, and we're going to spend a little time just looking at this verse, and then we're going to talk more about it in different ways. But, so, we give thanks, and it, not every situation feel, makes us feel very grateful, and we're not giving thanks for evil in the world, and we're not giving thanks for terrible things, but we're giving thanks to the Lord. Because whatever our circumstances, he is good. He's good all the time. God is good all the time. All right, so at least a few of you knew how to play that game. All right, Um, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And sometimes when we're enduring hard things and seeing chaos in the world or experiencing it in our lives, we start to wonder, is God good enough? Is he strong enough? Will his goodness come through? It starts to look kind of dark and scary, and we can feel like there's this chance that something could overwhelm the goodness of God in our lives or in the world. But give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Through all circumstances, good and bad, God is good, and he loves us. At any moment, We can repent from our sins. We can turn to God and we can find him with open arms, just waiting to welcome us in and lead us closer to him. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. His love never fails. And so we want to spend some time. There are all kinds of great pieces of imagery in the psalm that it would be really fun to talk about this morning, but I want to just focus on kind of this big-picture thought and how we can apply it to our lives. And so, one thing that I think this psalm teaches us and invites us into is that we give thanks as an exercise of our faith, because the Lord is our helper in our salvation— It's a great truth. Like the Lord is always here. Always at work. He is our helper. That's who he is. And sometimes we can be wondering like, what is he doing? Does he know that I'm here and struggling? And we can, but he is our helper. And we can be confident that he is always at work doing good and loving things. He always knows what's right to do, and he always does the right thing. And so sometimes when we try to apply truths from Scripture to our lives, sometimes we think, oh, I'm supposed to give thanks. And we catch ourselves starting to pout or complain, and we think, oh, God said to give thanks in all circumstances. So instead, so then we just find some way to twist it and say some positive thing, but still believe the thing that's kind of grunting inside us. And so God's not inviting us to pretend As we give thanks. He's not inviting us to give thanks for awful things, but to recognize who he is even in the midst and in the face of those awful things. And and we know from all our studies in the Psalms this summer that there are plenty of Psalms of lament. Psalms where God gives us words to help us process our grief and our frustration. That we have the opportunity to come before him and be honest and vulnerable and say, Lord, this is a mess and it needs to be fixed. Like, I'm sick of it. I'm done with it. I don't know what else to do. We have the freedom to do that. But we go before him, not necessarily thanking him that everything is happening in our lives that's happening, but thanking him for who he is, that he is the Lord over all things, that he is good, and his love never fails. He is our helper and our salvation. Kind of following up on that, uh, there are a couple verses that remind us and teach us that it's better for us to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It's better for us to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes or earthly power. But our natural instinct is to say, when awful things are happening, we think we could fix it. Like, if I were in charge, it would be better. It wouldn't be this way, right? I don't know. I often feel that way. I trust that some of you feel that way as well. And so, our natural instinct is to say, oh, if these people would just be on my side, or if we could rally enough support together, if we, even as God's people, had more influence, we could make this better. But our hope isn't in what we can accomplish as people. Our hope is in the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. So kind of the image that's built by this Hebrew word in the psalm where it says to take refuge is kind of this picture of running for cover. Like when these bad things happen and we're shocked and we're overwhelmed, instead of trying to like stand strong and figure it out and— take control of our by ourselves, we're supposed to run to the Lord and let him make us safe. Let him envelop us and welcome us and embrace us. So, the psalm reminds us, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. There's no question about it. He is good and we can trust him all the time. His love endures forever and even though there are times that our circumstances are impact us in such a way that we can wonder like is God really paying attention to me does he really love me as much as i thought he did cuz this is pretty messed up the truth is the lord is good all the time and his love endures forever through all circumstances through all generations through all human time his love endures forever it never fails And so rather than trying to trust in people who can figure it out for us or make it better, rather than trusting in earthly power and having enough influence to fix it here on our own, we're instructed and invited to take refuge in the one who's able to handle us and handle all the things that are happening around us. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. There's also this passage, um, maybe it's worth reading again, uh, starting at verse 22. Uh, It's a verse that's quoted throughout the New Testament. It says, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this. And it is marvelous in our eyes. One of the fascinating things about Scripture is that as the Holy Spirit works in people to write it in their time and place, they don't always understand the full context of how God will use it and speak truth through it. So when the psalm was written, the psalmist believed that they were writing about God's people, Israel. The stone that was rejected was Israel. Israel. God's chosen people who are going to bless the world. God would bless the world through them. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit helped other people reflect back on this declaration and recognize that it wasn't just about God's people, Israel in general, but that it was about the one true Israel. The one true Israelite, Jesus himself. That Jesus was the stone that was rejected. People were like, oh, this looks like a good stone to start with. Nah, let's find a different one. Um, And so they rejected Jesus, but he, in fact, is the cornerstone on which everything is supposed to be built. That was God's plan. And the psalm declares, we have seen what God has done, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus is the cornerstone who holds us together. in our struggle with our circumstances, whether it's uh, looking at what's happening in Afghanistan, whether it's wrestling with uh, the pandemic in general, or COVID in our own lives, or in our own families, whether it's wrestling with financial struggles, whatever it is, whatever our circumstances, it can be easy for us to trust in other things to make it better, kind of like rejecting the stone that really makes things fit together. So a cornerstone is kind of an anomaly for us these days. Like, you can find one outside door four for us. Uh, It has, uh, so outside this door, there's a cornerstone that says 1980. That reminds us, that's how long this building has been around. So cornerstones, for us, are largely decorative these days. Sometimes they're over doors. Sometimes they're just built in places where it reminds us how old the building is, or um, just makes things look beautiful. But at the time that this psalm was written, the cornerstone was the first stone that was laid. It set the frame for the whole building. And so you chose a good, solid stone to make sure that everything else would line up the way it was supposed to. Jesus is that stone for us. He's the cornerstone. He's He's the solid part of our foundation. He is our foundation. We stand strong on him. When we try to figure things out on our own, we could be tossed by the wind and the waves. But when we fix our eyes, on the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus calms the storm. He puts things in perspective. He doesn't make all the bad stuff disappear. He doesn't say it's unimportant. It doesn't matter. We shouldn't care about it. He doesn't even say we should stop trying to make it better. But instead of being overwhelmed and fearful about it, we look to him and we find peace security. The, the psalm describes as calling out to the Lord and being brought to a spacious place. Like, there's just room out in the pasture where we get to just kind of rest and know that we're, we're safe, we're at peace. We could see trouble coming from a long way, and we're, we're in a good place. We can breathe, easy. One of the things that I find in my struggles with difficulty in my own life, and feeling overwhelmed and fearful, is not only do I sometimes question God, like, what are you doing? What are you waiting for? I've made it very clear exactly how you could solve this. Why haven't you just flipped the switch and make it happen? Or feeling like it's working out well for other people. Why isn't God's love filling me up that much and changing my circumstances so I can be like, hey, it's super joyful. But one of the things that I find, that we find, when we fix our eyes on Jesus and recognize his power as our cornerstone, is that when we're in difficulty, when we feel like things are miserable and overwhelming, we start to wonder, how can this ever work out? What's happening in our world? What's happening in my life? What's happening in my family? It's easy to think that God has protected himself from the difficulty. That in his sovereign power over everything, he's just making decisions and making choices, and it's just playing out the way it's supposed to, the way he likes it, whatever, and we're just kind of falling between the cracks. But what this passage invites us to see we're invited to give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. Is that when we look at Jesus, we find that God has not protected himself from our trials and our tribulations, our difficulty. But he's in fact entered right in, right alongside us, and even taken it on for us. That Jesus himself has taken on the weight and the penalty for our sin and our rebellion, our bad choices, our bad behavior. Our lack of faith and trust in the God who can do all things. Our desire to solve things on our own and not trust him or his time. Jesus has come and taken all that on. He's experienced it with us, and he's experienced it for us on our behalf. He died on the cross to set us free from the penalty of our own sin. And then we can recognize when we see this cornerstone, Jesus Himself. That when we stand on Him, we don't find peace just because He's strong. We find peace because He really does know what it's like to live through all this trouble. And He's the one who can give us life that doesn't end. It's not dependent on making these circumstances work out better. Sometimes we're rescued in this life, and sometimes we're rescued to experience the grandeur of who God is in the next place. That doesn't make the pain we experience here easy, but it also doesn't make it the most important thing. So in this psalm, we're invited as an act of faith, not just when we're joyful, not just when it comes easy to us, not just when we see God moving, pulling back the curtain, and saying, look how awesome I am. But as an act of faith to say, Lord, I'm really struggling here. I know you invite me to give you thanks in all circumstances, but this one's hard. I'm broken, I'm sad, I'm angry. But I know you're good. Help me see it. Help me trust you for that. You say your love never fails. It it endures forever. I'm feeling like it's missing me right now. But I pray that you'd catch me. Help me experience it. Help me to live in the love that you have. Help me trust you. So this psalm is a beautiful declaration of praise, but through it all, like, it reminds us of all these terrible times. Like the psalmist says, I was surrounded by all the nations. They were just bullying me. They swarmed around me like bees. But I looked to the Lord, and all that went away. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. He's enough for us. And he's here. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you we're not good at this. Seeing you beyond our circumstances takes a long time Time to learn. Lord, as generations before us have, we've looked, we look out at the world and all the things that are happening, and we think, surely these are the signs that you're coming back soon. To take us to be with you, because how could anything make this work out? Things seem to be falling apart everywhere around us. But you are good. You are strong. You are a shield and our defender. You are the cornerstone upon which all this is built. You make things right, and you steady us in the midst of injustice and unfairness, stress and misery pain. Lord, hold us tight. Help us stand strong. who you are, not because we're strong enough now because we know you, but because you're with us and we find a refuge in you. Lord, when we're with you, we're in the right place. Help us see, believe, trust that you are enough for us. Steady us in the midst of our storms and lead us into this life everlasting. Everlasting. that we would experience and believe and proclaim that you are good all the time and your love endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen.